Welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast. Rundi, we've had a pretty big week in the past uh, week for the NHL. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy week. Um, yeah, I I mean, we'll, we'll start off first. I look like just a fucking chump right now because I was very confident um, in the last episode we did talking about Corey Perry and Zach Parise. Being like, all right, we know that we know that they're they're probably going to sign, and then it was most likely going to be at the trade deadline or around there when you know teams are moving players and and this and that, and then sure enough, uh, in the span of you know two days, uh, just recently here now, um, Corey Perry signed with the Edmonton Oilers on a cheap one year deal um, for the remainder of the season, and then earlier today's. Um, Zach Parise signed a similar deal with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, so, fuck, sucks to be me, but uh, huge <laughs> yeah, additions a, uh, for both those teams. Yeah, great deals. I mean, Zach Parise is a uh, he's he's getting pretty old at this point, but I mean, fuck, if if there's Dude a can team still that, motor. I mean, if if there's a team that can really bolster their bottom six with a little scoring touch uh they that just makes the abs that much deadlier in the playoffs yeah yeah and then the oilers i mean they're on one of the best win streaks we've ever seen uh in the nhl now you know you bring in cory perry like it, it should i mean we don't know it because we haven't seen him play with them yet but realistically it should make them better will it i, I don't know but in theory, like it should, because yeah. um, we we know that the guy that uh, they they put on waivers and and sent down was Adam Ernie, and I mean Corey Perry provides um, so much more value uh, to the team than Adam Ernie. No res- no disrespect to Ernie, but uh, yeah, with a guy he, like uh, Perry, he really and... hasn't found his footing in uh, Edmonton, which is too bad because we're not that many years removed from him being the top. Uh, top goal scorer, I believe, on uh, uh, Detroit Red Wings. Like he was, he was a really good player over there for a little bit. And uh, it's no, it's no shot, no shot. I, he I, no, no, he, never. I believe his, in one of the his recent highest years, in one season was, was eleven in forty-five games. I, I holy shit! He was tied. He was tied with Mantha. Larkin had nine in 44, and Amestikov had, I mean, and, and this was the... Oh, um, so that was the shortened season, probably. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, geez, geez, he was really actually tied. Uh, yeah. So not staggering numbers, but I mean... Fourth on the team in points. Philip Hronik led the team in points that year. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh it's too bad that he's uh fallen that far, but dude, my I, skin's I don't just doubt crawling. That he'll find his way back onto a NHL team. My skin is crawling looking at this roster. <laughs> oh fuck, man! You know, shout I, out Philip Zadina. Actually, forty nine games played that season, uh, zero penalty minutes. Nice oh, guy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what a yeah, roster! Um, if the tough. Oilers get any better than they are right now, like that's. <laughs> That's crazy on its own because they are currently in a three-way tie 
uh, in fifth place for the longest win streak in NHL history. Uh, they are currently at 15 wins. The all-time NHL regular season win streak record is only 17. They're only two away, set by yeah. the uh, 92-93 Pittsburgh Penguins. That's yeah, that's crazy. That's insanely elite company. And I mean, who's their who's their upcoming schedule? Uh, I believe they have. I know. I mean, I know they just beat Chicago so, the other night. Tomorrow they're playing the Predators in Edmonton. Well, you gotta imagine that's gonna be a win, most likely, right? Yeah, Preds are Preds are a sneaky team. Probably Ooh, but at, ho- at home. At home, it's an afternoon right. game, two p.m. Never note those afternoon ones. But uh, even more and interesting then, yeah, than that, they go on the uh, break. Yeah, they go the on the break. But if they if they win against the Predators, they'll be one away from tying the record, and that would be against the Vegas Golden Knights. That yeah. would be a that would be a good game to watch. The team who always kind of seems to have their number uh, when it matters most. Yeah, so that, that'll be last a... year's conference finals, right? Yeah, and if, uh, not if conference can... final, quarterfinal. It was quarterfinal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, if they win that game, I mean, after that, they got the Ducks. So, or semifinals, you... whatever they call it. I don't know what they call it. I think it's semifinals. I like to call it the second round. <laughs> yeah, just to uh, uh, avoid it. This is a, this is somehow the second time this week I've had this conversation on. Uh, whether it's semifinals, quarterfinals, or what's below quarterfinals. Just bring back one versus eight. Fuck. Like, we're past this now. We can only hope. We've had our fun dicking around with this wild card, old division teams, rivalries. I don't give a shit. I'm tired of watching the same two teams freaking poke each other in the playoffs. Like, it, it it doesn't add anything. It did, like, the first couple years, sure. But, like, now... Who cares? Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of people are uh, over having these rivalries in the first round. Like, if you not... if you face a rivalry team, you you want it to be in the conference finals or at least the second round. You know. Well, well, yeah. First of all, that, but more so, like I want, like I liked when it was like, like just the one that kind of comes to mind to me because it's recent is like when Vegas entered the league. It was you know. It was like, okay, they're going to be rivals with Arizona because it makes sense. But then just naturally that rivalry developed with San Jose and it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't forced upon us. They, they weren't trying to force a rivalry. Yeah, they're not marketing kind of naturally it happened. rivalry. Yeah, and now it's like, it feels like with this, they're just, they're trying to force these rivalries and like, yeah, like you look in the central, it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't pay as much attention to the central, but it's like, you know, when Colorado makes it, it's like, do they really have a team? It's like, oh, they're rivals and hate each other. Not really. Like, I know they're not, a, they're, them and Blues aren't a huge fan of each other, but like, it's not a huge rivalry. Most of the Avs fans I know still would call the Red Wings their biggest rival, and they're not even in the same yeah. conference anymore. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the NHL definitely tries a bit too hard to manufacture some of the rivalries. Uh, I know. There seems to be almost zero animosity between the Canucks and the Kraken. And that's one that 
they they really keep trying to push, which you can understand why because they're right there. They'll play each other. They're in a conference, but yeah, it, uh, so far it's it hasn't really clicked. Yeah, um, just another thing. We're, we're talking about the Oilers uh, win streak right now and how incredible it is. Um, another streak that you know isn't getting talked about as much that I think is um just absurd right now is Nathan McKinnon. I um, thought you might like bring that one up. He yeah. has scored a point in every single uh home game that he's played this year with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh 25 games um as of right now. 21 goals and 32 assists in 25 games. Like <sighs> The, the way he's playing right now, like that's 53 total points in 25 home games. That is just absurd, the way he's playing right now. And it's even more absurd, the fact that, in, in my opinion, he's not even the favorite for the Hart Trophy right now, in my opinion. I, I would agree. I think he's in the I, top three at this point. I think that's pretty yeah. hard to deny. But I, I think it's... I, I, I can't... Um, I can't pick a definitive three. Um, if I was, I, I, I okay. can do four and, and uh, are, we, we, yeah, it's, I am interested. Cause I think there, there's a pretty, at least the way in the past they've judged it. I think there's a pretty clear top three right now. So I would love to know who your fourth guy is. Assuming we have three of the same. Um, the, the fourth one's tough because we know he's not going to win it, um, because of his position. But mm. it's uh, Kucherov, McKinnon, Matthews, and Hellebuck. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because I do think Hellebuck, and so those were the same ones I had in mind, except for Hellebuck. But I definitely wish he would get a little more consideration just because uh, what he's doing for that team is nothing short of incredible. He is so consistently good and just an absolute rock in net. and. He he helps them get a lot of wins. Like they went on like a 23 game streak, allowing three goals or less in a era where we've got multiple guys scoring at above a 1.6, 1.7 points per game rate. So yeah, he's, he's really doing incredible work, but yeah, I think right now it's uh, the way I see the votes going. It's definitely going to be uh Matthews, Kucherov, and McKinnon. Yeah, and and like again, uh, if Matthews reaches seventy goals like that, it makes the debate a little bit tougher. But the way that I always view it for the the heart is not, you know, just the the best player of the season, whoever puts up the most points. Yeah, I always still view it as, yeah, I always still view it as you know the player who's the most valuable um, towards their team. And uh, you you may you may disagree with this because I know you're a Tampa Bay fan. Okay. You remove Nikita Kucherov from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay's probably sitting bottom seven in the league. No, I and don't. You know, that's it's also you, again it's if you also remove Vasilevsky, I would absolutely agree. I I think yeah. just Kucherov puts them about uh, bottom ten ish maybe but yeah losing kucherov is massive we have the best power play in the league right now and 
we aren't even close. We're not even top 16 without him, I don't think. Like, he he completely changes the way everyone plays when he's on the ice. Yeah. And he is, man, he is so fun to watch. I'm going to be so sad when he starts declining because, you know, you watch, you watch guys like Matthews, McDavid, McKinnon. Uh, they dominate with their skill. Uh, yeah. Kucherov is... You know, uh, I know you always like to say that Sorokin is the most athletic uh, goalie in the league. Uh, Kucherov is easily, in my mind, the greatest uh, hockey mind in the NHL right now. He's he he so reminds me a lot of Joe Thornton on the ice. Actually, yeah. Shelly. Yeah, the way he Incredible. sees the ice and like sees the play developing as it's going is so incredible. And... Uh, yeah. He's actually shored up. He, he's by no means getting selfie votes, but he shored up his defensive game a decent bit as well uh, in the last year and a half. Um, okay. But yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. And that's, that's the one thing that I'm wondering because Kucherov will get a lot of points out of those three in the voting because he helps his team the most. Uh, like the team would be hurt without him the most out of those three. Um, but I yeah. also think McKinnon will get a couple extra votes because uh, they really, it's almost like a lifetime achievement. Like a lot of people are like, really? Nathan McKinnon has like, you know, he had, doesn't have an Art Ross. He doesn't have a, a Lindsay. He doesn't have a heart. Like it just feels the only individual award he's... has no individual award. So he, the only thing he has is the Calder from his rookie year. Yeah. So and my biggest thing is, is if Matthews hits 70 goals, you just know there is going to be so many people that, that vote him first on their ballot, just yeah. on that alone to be like, well, he hit 70 goals like that in itself. And it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. But it's like, again, I, I, again, I always still view it for as the, the award is, is talked about and presented is the most valuable player to their team. Yeah. Or in the league. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. But it's like, you remove McKinnon. It's like, McCarr's kind of the consensus number one defenseman in the league. So if you've got Rantanen a number... Then still at defenseman. Without McKinnon, I think Rantanen still puts up 100 points, probably. Yeah, yeah. Rantanen has shown close. he can carry a line on, on his own. Yeah. And Especially you've got McCarr and then... McCarr. Yeah, and then the, Toronto, like, e even without Matthews, like, are they going to be as good? Obviously, no, but... With all the other talent they have, they would still be uh, just fine. So, yeah, I uh, it it would be interesting because I don't know when the last time it happened. Maybe it happened recently, and I just like missed it. But I can't remember the last time a different player won the heart and the Ted Lindsay. And I think we could see that if McDavid hits seventy goals, but Tampa Bay sneaks into the playoffs, I could see a world where Kucherov wins the Hart Trophy, and Matthews wins the Ted Lindsay. I, I do think, I really I actually think do think this year. Yeah, I, I think we do see them go. Together. Yeah, I think we do see them go separate um, ways this year, just based on th the amount of guys up there. It's like, yeah, I, I really could see a world where it's one trophy goes one way, uh, the other one goes the other, and I would be uh, perfectly okay with that because yeah. the Hart is kind of, build up to be this whole uh you know the most prestigious award but i feel like the heart trophy there's a lot of 
uh, personal biases that go on behind the scenes with it. Whereas the Ted Lindsay, it's you're being voted as kind of like the, the best player in the league. Yeah, by all all these other guys in the league, which I think actually uh, does hold more value than yeah. a bunch I, of guys in suits who. You know. I don't know if I've ever brought it up on the podcast. I've definitely talked to you about it and a lot of people uh, personally, but I very strongly believe that the Ted Lindsay award should be pushed as the big, this is the best trophy of the regular season instead of the heart trophy. I, I think yeah. the players voting who is the best player that should carry so much more weight than, all the who who votes on it is it the gms or or people in the media it, like yeah it's a bunch of like media yeah it's a bunch of like yeah. media guys yeah like not only is it matter more from the players in my opinion but also you know we had uh we had guys the other year when 99 of the 100 guys or whatever voted Mc, uh, mcdavid first and then the one dude put pasternak first Guess what? He didn't have McDavid second. He had him like fourth. Like, yeah. So you got a couple of absolute bums in there throwing their votes around willy nilly, just being idiots. So it, uh, yeah, I would love a lot more respect put on the Lindsay and not just being like a supplementary trophy to the heart. Yeah, I, I completely um, would agree with that. But with that, uh, we can move on to the plenty of other news uh that we we've, we've got throughout the the league in the last uh in the last week here yeah. uh where um, where do we want to where do we want to start uh we got I some highs we got some lows somewhere before we move on too much here it is uh just gonna throw in that uh only three active currently playing nhl players have ever hit the 80 point mark in 47 games or fewer those three players being Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, and now Nikita Kucherov. So uh, we were just singing his praises already, but uh, just to show that, I mean, that's some of the most elite company you can be in, at least in this current era. Yeah. Crosby, McDavid, and Kucherov. That's incredible. And McKinnon this year just missed out. I believe at yeah, uh, 47 games he had 78 or 79 points. S 79, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, he yeah he just missed out on it. Um, just another one, very quick to throw in there. Uh, New York Islanders forward Brock Nelson hit 500 career points. Uh, one of those guys that I think is always just he's, he's very uh very underrated. I still think he's one of the the better goal scorers in the league. Um, and, and again, just doesn't get as as much recognition. Um, because he's with the Islanders, whereas if he was yeah. uh, in, in a bit of a bigger market, I think he would be more of a household name. But nonetheless, 500 career points. Uh, well done to to Brock Nelson there. Speaking of the Islanders, um, that probably some of the biggest news uh, we've had throughout this season, and yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. Absolutely yeah, kinda... blindsided me. I had no idea. I I kind of thought it was uh. It, it was coming um, just the way the team was going and the way the fans were, were like just all of them um, voicing how they felt. Uh, but the New York Islanders, after losing um, to the Chicago Blackhawks the following day, they did fire head coach Lane Lambert 
and replacing him is none other than Patrick Waugh. Uh, it's a, a huge shakeup there for the Islanders. I think they got a terrific coach in Patrick Waugh who um, it can, can come in and kind of reshape the identity of that team and yeah. uh, try, to, try to give them that identity that they really haven't had since uh, Barry Trotz. Uh, departed so it's it's still early Uh, you can still see kind of the the growing pains of the team throughout it Um, but I think this is a a phenomenal hiring and I I do see a lot of success for the Islanders uh, with Patrick Waugh as their head coach yeah Patrick Waugh he uh, just last year I believe won um, won the Memorial Cup in uh, out of the QMJHL so uh, He's he's got a little bit of pedigree there with coaching, uh, as much as a guy who hasn't coached in the NHL. Uh, actually, he has coached in the NHL a bit. He coached the uh, Avalanche back in I think uh, around 2016. Um, yeah, yeah, he was with them for three seasons, I believe it was. Yeah, with bad team, bad roster, it's uh, it's a tough look. And you know that goes back to what you were saying the other day about bringing in these all time greats from your franchise as the coach, but you're not quite through the rebuild. So if you have to fire him, it's uh, looks really weird afterwards. Yeah. But I think, I think signing wise, a uh, head coach could be great for the Islanders. And also with a stud like Sorokin in net, you know, who, who better to be coaching you, right? Like he's yeah. the head coach. He's not the goalie coach, but surely he's going to have some knowledge to impart on him. <clears throat> Oh, 100%, 100% he will. And I think that could be huge for Sorokin for sure. Um, so yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to keep an eye on that and see, um, you know, what kind of changes we see in the identity of the Islanders and see if they maybe take up a, a bit of a different structure than than what they were running um, under uh, Lane Lambert. And more um, importantly, I'm excited to see how Islanders fans uh, react after losses and who they blame. Because, you know, anytime they lost, it was fire lane. He sucks. He's the problem. And now that he's gone, it's like, well, what do you do now? You're not going to start dogging on the new coach. Uh, So I don't know if it it turns to the players or what, but it'll be interesting to see uh, where they voice their frustration because they're they're a very passionate fan base. Um, Not to say that they're a bad fan base or anything. They're just very passionate. And so someone else is is now going to be under the microscope. You want you want your fans to give a shit, you know. Nothing sucks more than an apathetic crowd that doesn't doesn't care about the outcome. Like, yeah, a a crowd booing you off the ice is better than a crowd that is silent, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to uh, kind of play around and with Colorado a little bit more. Um, Kale McCard became the second fastest defenseman to reach 300 career points. He did so in 281 games. Uh, that puts him only behind Bobby Orr, who did that in 280. So again, one we were talking short. about McKinnon being one game short, and now McCarr one game short of, uh, of time Bobby Orr there. But, you know, and, and in this day and age, if, if you're a defenseman and you're even in the same conversations uh, with as Bobby Orr, like that that in itself is, uh, yeah. is just a huge... Uh, attribute to to kind of put under your belt there yeah that's not gonna be the last time they're mentioned in the same conversation together well it's funny you say that because i was just about to say don't get used to them being uh 
uh, in the same conversation as far as things like this go, because uh, a lot of people have been saying that this is one of the last big things that Makar has a realistic chance of uh, beating Bobby Orr out for. Because if you watch their uh, career kind of uh, production, it's been around similar, uh, around 300 games. This is when Bobby Orr, like, he has like a Gretzky level incline. He like absolutely yeah. turns it on. Because, so Makar is how old? Probably 20, 24, 25-ish? Maybe I think he's 23. 20, 20, yeah, I think he's 23 right now. This is... Or this 24, about, sorry, 24 he should be. This is I'll about in Bobby Orr's career when he's like 21 at the at 280 games. Like, because he started playing right when he was 18. So yeah, he's he's a kid when he's doing this stuff. And like, take nothing away from Makar. I mean, second fastest defenseman all time, one game away. But Bobby Orr, like, uh, just got gets so much better at this point. Like the the graphs just like to absolutely take off. It's Really just absolutely insane what Bobby Orr did while he played. Yeah, Makar is 25, by the way. And like oh. Makar, since his rookie year, um, uh, which was five seasons ago now, going forward, um, he, he's yet to have a he's yet to have a regular season where he finishes um, under a, a point per game. So yeah, like, as a defenseman to constantly be a point per game or higher um, is nuts, regardless of, of who you're playing with. Like... Uh, yeah. that, that's just absurd. So props to, to Kale McCarr and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be continuing to talk about him as he continues to set records, break records and uh, continue on doing that. Can I continue building a trophy case at that? Yeah, he's already got a big one. It's only going to grow. Yeah. Um, the other night, uh, Brendan Gallagher got suspended five games uh, after elbowing Adam Pellick in the head. Yeah. Uh, it Five games make sense for the precedent that the NHL has set in the past, but I would have loved to see double digits. Like, I don't yeah. think Gallagher is always a dirty player. I think he just plays a hard game, but... He plays on ab- the edge. But the, that that hit was... It was late. It was clear late. elbow. He his hand left his stick to stick uh, his elbow out. Yeah. Ne- it wasn't a last minute. Oh, I'm going to miss with my shoulder. Better put my elbow it, elbow all the way. He never intended to hit him with the shoulder. Uh, yeah. Only aimed for the head. It was everything about it was brutal. Uh, yeah. I even though he's not known for this kind of stuff, just to really put the hammer down and be like, guys, we can't be doing this shit. I would have loved to see at least 10 games just especially on a guy like Adam Pellick. That sucks. Cause he's all even ignoring what just happened, which I assume he got a concussion from it. Cause that was brutal. Eh, but he's had, I don't know. He's what had he's three uh, concussions in the last two years already. Like, yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he didn't get one somehow, but uh, he was, he was able to, to skate off under his own power and yeah, he, you didn't know, get he, he didn't need to be, thing. Yeah, and he didn't need to be like helped off by anyone. He was able to get off, which is a good sign. Um, usually, when you see guys have concussions, they need uh, they need some help actually getting off the ice into the dressing room. So that is a good sign. But but again, it's like, in, in my opinion, that is, 
I, I think that's the dirtiest thing you can do in, in the game. Like if you hit a guy from behind, I don't even think that's um, as dirty. Like when I, you go in and you purposely depends, are you're purposely yeah. throwing your elbow at a guy's chin, like and and we know what elbow pads are nowadays. They're like rock hard. They're you like take that straight in the jaw. Your elbow. Yeah, like you push a guy in from behind the boards. Still, still very bad. But guys more so have a chance to maybe protect themselves, or the boards kind of soften the impact a little bit. But it's like when you're just flying up the ice and you got a guy flying at you opposite directions and they whip their elbow and you, and they connect in your jaw. Like, yeah. I, I'm shocked especially that Pelic was actually able is, to get up. Especially as a guy who's played hockey, right? I haven't played in some time, but you, when you go for a hit, you, you can't, I'm sorry, but you can't accidentally elbow someone in the head unless they ram no. their head into your body. It doesn't happen because to stick your shoulder out, your arm goes down and gets tucked in. Like, it takes yeah. so much active effort to lift your elbow up like you're fucking Wade Barrett swinging, swinging your elbow like a madman. Like, it, yeah, that's, it's a bad look on Gallagher, and hopefully he doesn't do that shit again, but. Uh... Well, and I, I, every time I see something like, like this happen, one of the first things I do is I go and look at the team's upcoming schedule. And. Um, one of the last two games of the season, we do see um, the New York Islanders and the Montreal Canadiens face off uh, back in uh, Long Island. So, like, I, I feel like Gallagher's going to have to answer the bell to someone. And you um, hope it's and you hope it's game. Gallagher, right? Cause... Oh no, like, yeah, it's not going to be like, oh, you know, Joel Armia or Josh Anderson's going to go out there and fight Matt Martin. Like, that's not going to solve it. It's like. Someone's like Gallagher's gonna have to to fight and face the music, and if he doesn't, I, some you're gonna you're gonna you yeah. might even see a Gabranson thing. I uh, wish which, I was talking I don't about condone, that, but like but... with the um, who was it the uh, the Minnesota and Wild and the uh, Jets earlier this year? We saw a guy take a, yeah. a cross check, and instead of that guy going and fighting, uh, he turned around and he sticked a kid in the face. Like, you yeah. know, well, we, are, we cut we saw, they, saw the opposite. Are they going to say, you know what, Matt Martin, go out there and uh, go hit Cole Caulfield as hard as you can in the face with your stick? Like, you you hope that Gallagher's the one who's going to answer the have to answer the bell, but that kind of depends on how the Islanders want to play it. Unfortunately, well, the thing is, at least with the Islanders, like, because they're they're one of my favorite teams um, outside of the Sharks. I love to watch their games. Um, yeah. Like a guy like Matt Martin, he's not going to do that. He's a very classy guy. It's, I'll hit you hard, but I'll hit you clean. Uh, I'm not going to jump you. It's, if we're going to fight, we're, we're going to fight. Yeah. Um, For a guy I, with that many hits, you do not see him in controversial clips that often. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Uh, someone might call me out for this. I might be wrong. I can't remember him being suspended. Like, yeah, you're, you're telling me a guy that's... At least not in recent, obvious All that, like fights probably 10 times a season uh second all-time in hits since they've uh, started to be recorded um like and no controversy around him he 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 plays hard but he plays clean and if gallagher's gonna fight it's not gonna be matt martin because again martin knows he's he's way out of gallagher's weight class like martin would throttle him 
it would probably be a guy I'd say like a, a smaller guy, like a, a Cal Clutterbuck, um, I think makes sense or, or something like that. But again, it's like I, as much as Matt Martin would want to, I think even he knows like, you're out of my weight class. Like if, if Gallagher fights someone, then maybe Matt Martin's like, Hey, you know, Jack guy or Anderson, you're in my weight class. Let's go then or something. Um, but again, it's going to be something that's interesting to, to keep an eye on because when it's a, a player like Pellick too, who's, he's a huge part of that Islanders team. And they're trying to push for the playoffs. Yeah. Like if imagine that's another concussion and all of a sudden it's like, Adam Pellick is now, you know, he's he's done for the season. Like yeah, and a five game suspension. Yeah. And I think the biggest distinction from a lot of the things here is that it wasn't it was blatantly not an accident. If yeah, you hit a guy and he, while he's losing balance or you couldn't turn away in time and the guy gets brained but you didn't really mean to do it, it's you know, you you have to fight maybe but like you're clearly not in it. You know, it's not too bad, but when, when you're going out there throwing elbows like that, when you're chicken, the other team's going to be guy. fucking pissed. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It, those situations are just always so tough to watch because one concussion can end a career. Yeah. And a guy that's already faced multiple, like you just, you hate seeing those type of hits. Um, you you want to see a harsher suspension because you really want to see less of them. I you don't know, want the, to see them. the the league take a stand and be like, we're not going to condone this. Um, like, because in my opinion, those are the hits that that can that can end careers. They're they're most likely to end careers out of out of any other play. We've seen and, hits like that end careers. Uh, wasn't yeah. it uh, Mark Savard? Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's one of the first big, things that came to my mind when I watched big that elbow. Hit just never played again yeah it was actually funny um the sharks just released a a new um alternate jersey which looks sick by the way um and the and the the player they used to promote it was rafi torres and so i was like oh shit you know what i bet brendan gallagher watched that video beforehand and got a little little inspiration because he I I I I I liked Rafi Torres as a player. I didn't like the the controversy around him and some of his hits, um, but he he looked just like Rafi Torres pulling that shit, and yeah. it it's just like, man. And I don't know. I I would like to talk. I don't know any. It's I'm. It's actually surprising that I don't I don't know a Montreal Canadiens fan, um, but even they are disgusted with Gallagher. And every, I guess every Canadians fan I know that I have talked to about it, which admittedly is only two, but they're they're both like, what an absolute bonehead. They don't like seeing that. Yeah, and they're and all these uh Canadians fans are talking about um I don't know when it was from, but it, it was obviously some hit that was made previously at some point. And Gallagher was talking about like how He's like, oh, you can't be throwing cheap shots like that. Like, there's kids in the crowd. Uh, you're supposed to be a role model in this and this. Uh, something along those lines. And then he does this. And so now I see a bunch of Montreal fans uh, digging up the receipts on that and being like, hey, Gallagher, like, you're preaching about being a role model and not doing cheap stuff like this when there's kids watching you and looking up to you. And it's uh, so they're basically kind of calling him a hypocrite at this point. And uh, yeah, which yeah, is fair. He, he's not well liked uh, amongst the fan base at this moment. 
Yeah, which uh, is strange because he's very typically been a fan favorite in Montreal. Like heart and soul guy. Yeah, so it's uh it's in a very weird spot right now. And uh you know, you you hope to read that he's uh you know, reached out to Pelic or that you know he apologized or something like that and you know. Yeah. And I don't, don't I mean I, he the generally guy Gallagher is but, like I feel like he did. Like yeah. he probably looked back and was like He's like, what the, f- like, what did I just do? Yeah. Um, like, again, I don't think he's a, a scum or a, a cheaper, dirty player. I mean, what he did in that play, sure. But yeah. again, I think the basis for only a five-game suspension is because he doesn't have a history. Yeah. So, uh, but speaking of really harsh suspensions, uh, Shane Pinto is back in the league. He signed a one-year contract. Um, with an AV of seven hundred and seventy-five um thousand with the Ottawa Senators. Um he's now back and playing with the team. It's not confirmed, but it sounds like there's talks um of of a, a bigger contract um between the two sides. Um so that's something to keep an eye on because again, the whole basis for him not being signed at the time when he was suspended was he felt he was worth uh more. Than what the Senators were offering, and the Senators felt like he was worth less than what he wanted. So it's kind of good to see the two sides um, trying to bury the hatchet and work out uh, a fair deal for both sides. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what that that deal may look like. Yeah, because they, uh, you know, that's the kind of guy that they're going to need. You know, <clears throat> a guy who can go in that middle six. He can score pretty well, and especially he's still pretty young. So if he can only get better then yeah it could be a really good signing i'm expecting some sort of bridge extension you know uh two to three year i would assume it's probably got a no gambling clause in it be my guess yeah it's probably one kinda, of the first kinda similar to ev- kind of similar to every contract in the league but you know maybe he didn't know that yeah yeah but but nonetheless good to see him back in uh back Scored in the league smiling having breakaway fun. goal the other day yeah yeah, his, yeah, the, the the skill is uh, definitely still there. And uh, again, I don't think the Ottawa Senators even sniff the playoffs. Um, but having him back and and being a, a little bit of a bright spot of their continuing rebuild that's been going on for five thousand years, uh, probably makes the Senators feel a little bit better knowing that that they've got a guy like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, Ambry Piotta, uh, Swiss hockey team in the uh, National Hockey League uh, over in Europe, uh, announced that Alex Formanton uh, has taken a leave of absence and is currently returning to Canada. Um, yeah. He's he's not uh, the only one. Over the past uh, couple days, about a week, there's been uh, quite a few players that are... Uh, requesting and have all been granted uh their leave of absence um other players uh that have done that are carter hart of the uh, philadelphia flyers dylan dubé on the calgary flames um i'm sorry i don't have them in front of me you have the other two uh michael mcleod and cal foot of the uh yes, the you. new jersey devils yeah um yeah i mean we again Right now, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about this before we hopped on here. Um, 
at this point in time, you know, I think every kind of hockey fan that's following this situation, you know, kind of has a collective opinion. Um, you There's know, a lot of since, assumptions going around, and yeah. we don't want to feed into it too much. It's hard to ignore because the um, yeah they all did it within about a week of each other, um, yeah, as well as after they had all done that. After the final two had uh, got their leave of absence, the next day, the London Ontario Police uh, told the five five unnamed members of the 2018 Canada World Juniors team to come to London and surrender themselves. No, it was uh, it was Dubai first and then hard a couple days later. Then yeah. the news came out that they had to surrender. And then that's when we saw. Um, oh, the other two did. Afterwards. The other three. Oh, the other three. Um, Formington oh. from uh, the Swiss oh, okay. Hockey League and then McLeod and Foot. Yeah, they they were actually after. Um, the 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 official news thing came out that they had to surrender which again right now um you know we're kind of sitting and waiting it's all speculative um, we, we do don't know that point any fingers yeah and we do know that a press conference is up and coming within uh, a little bit about over a week um so again right now you know and it's one of those things where it's like there there's so many you know pieces involved there's so much stuff around it there's so many yeah. outside things um they could all be for all we know testifying against other people that are known to be yeah the perpetrators so for now we'll leave it at they've all been granted their leave from their respective teams whether nhl or over in the national league it's also but interesting though we'll like definitely that, get uh... a lot of an update after that um the london police give their big uh yeah a uh, big tell-all speech that they're supposed to give yeah, that's when everything will kind of all come to light. Um, all, not including Formington because he was off uh, playing, but fuck nowhere. Um, but those other those other four players, it is interesting. They have been removed from all um, official team things. Like you go on any any um, websites, including the NHL website. You go on any uh, apps or websites for other sports things. Um, they don't have those players listed on the roster. They're not included in the team stats. Uh, these teams have pulled any products or jerseys uh, relating to these players from their um, arenas and shops. So it's like they're, as of this point in time, like the league, the teams are 100% uh, disassociating themselves with these players entirely. Yeah. Um, and again, it's all speculation right now. Like, do we know? And again, do we know which way this is kind of leaning? Probably, but we're not going to speak on it and make assumptions or accusations or this and that until we kind of know more of the facts. Because again, yeah, um, we don't want to be the guys sitting there. Yeah, we don't want to be the guys sitting there being like, man, we just dogged on this player and all this. And it turns out that he was one of the the five that wasn't a part he was a part of something else within the situation but he's not um a guilty party or something so we were we just want to do our due diligence and uh sit on the fence and just twiddle our our thumbs and wait uh wait for it to kind of all come to light and then we can actually uh have a genuine discussion about it 
Yeah, and uh, again, we've done it before, but another massive shout out to Rick Westhead for following this, uh, keeping yeah. people in the know, reporting on it. Him and Katie Strang do such incredible work uh, exposing yeah. the uh, uh, often untoward underbelly of uh, sports culture as a whole. Um, and it, this this whole thing really makes me kind of wonder if if this is a... yeah. Because something's got to change. Like, this isn't the first time we're hearing about this. It's not going to be the last, unfortunately. Um, and I feel like within within the CHL, the, the, the Canadian Hockey League, which consists of the WHL, the OHL, and the QMJHL, or the QMJHL is now actually going by something different. I think it's the QM... Uh, I believe they changed the name, but it, the acronym yeah. is actually the same. Oh, okay. I, I can't um, remember, but I think it was one of the last two letters got a word change, but it's still the QMJHL. Yeah, and, and it's I, I like the concept of it. It's like it, it's a way for players, first of all, to to showcase their skill and get into the NHL, but it also really gives them a taste of it. And the problem I I I have constantly always thought about with it is it's so fucked up to think that. Teams draft these these 14-year-old kids, these 15-year-old kids. They have to uproot their life away from their family. They have to go live with a, a, a new family. And yeah, they're treated like, like a saint in, in that city. And then all of a sudden, boom. Hey, you're 14 years old, 15. Yeah, we just traded you for some picks. You're now going uh, to a different province now. And you got to now go and join a different family, new team, new coaches and all this. And it's like... And I, I can't remember who said it, but I saw someone say it. These are kids who are still going through puberty. Like, they're not even yeah. fully grown adults. And you're asking them to f- uproot their life, move, potentially move again. And they're in places where, you know, a lot of these junior teams, um, in, in some cases, maybe not, but a lot of them are in smaller cities. Like, it, it's not like, you know, like not including teams like the Hitmen or, you know, the Oil Kings, like not in ones that already have like NHL teams, but like the Kamloops Blazers yeah, the, or the, the, the Windsor Spitfires. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's their, that's their, that's their NHL team there. You know, like those fan bases are nuts for their junior team there. So these players are, are treated like, like saints and untouchable. And when they don't have their family around them, they don't have their childhood friends. Like that, I think that's really when you start to see some of these players make these, um, I, I don't even want to call them mistakes because they, they know what they're doing. But again, it makes you wonder, like, do we need to see a, a change which, within how the, you know, the CHL uh, conducts things? Because if something doesn't change, you know, we're, we're going to keep seeing yeah. these uh, things happen and, and it sucks. Like, you know, not defending players, but it sucks to see a player that you're cheering for and watch develop and you're rooting for. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like, man, you've you've got, again, like Gallagher said, you've got these kids that are looking up to you. And then it's like, boom, it's like it turns out that they're a monster. And yeah, something's got to change eventually. Uh, yeah. I don't know how and they I would go about it. we are already, maybe not systematically yet, but we are seeing a change in that culture. Um, the last 
CBA that was signed was negotiated by in the 2004 lockout was signed by the NHL's team of lawyers and Bettman. And on the other side was all the top NHL players. And, you know, a lot of names you would recognize, a lot of names you'd love, you know, Drew McGinley, uh, Peter Forsberg, Steve Yeiserman, uh, Mario Lemieux, maybe even, if he was still around at that time. You know, guys like, uh, definitely Yager, guys like that were all in those, in that position of power. And yeah. they fucked over the guys, simply put, that were going to make less in the league. Between the cap hit and just a lot of the things, the way they structured it, uh, especially for safety. We all love hearing $5,000 fine, the minimum allowable <coughs> under the CBA. They yeah, the fucked maximum. over maximum. a lot of the maximum. Sorry. Uh, of Yeah, so they kind of fucked over a lot of guys with that. And I, I mean, maybe they have, but I've never heard any of them come out and say, yeah, that was fucked up. We should have done better. But uh, do I know for certainty? No, but I believe that if it was Crosby, McDavid, Matthews, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of guys like that are, uh, if they were the ones that to argue the next CBA, I think it would look a lot better for the rest of the league, for safety, for. Uh, pay throughout the league, I think it would look better for a lot of uh, the guys. So I do think in general guys are being held more accountable or holding themselves to higher standards. Um, yeah. But it's like I'm saying, it's the guys in the league. It's not really a systematic thing yet, which is something that we do need to see at a point. Yeah, I, I com completely agree there um one thing that is a bright spot and i think it, it's actually a good uh it's it's a nice step in the right direction for um for junior hockey not as you know these players developing but i think more so just for fans um every year we always get the uh the chl prospects game which is you know team Gretzky versus Team Orr, and it consists of all the best players between the three um, Canadian junior hockey leagues, um, which is cool. But um, that is now going to be axed, done. Yeah. What it's going to be replaced with is still a prospects game, but it consists of the best Canadian junior prospects versus the best american junior prospects which is it's kind of like you know when you see canada and u.s in the world juniors but this is all just prospects like none of these guys have been drafted they're probably all going to be drafted within the upcoming draft and that could that can be some really exciting hockey actually to watch seeing all the best canadian prospects taking on all the best american prospects and kind of continue to, to add a little more uh, fuel to the fire that is the uh, Canada versus the Americans when it comes to rivalries in hockey. Um, so I think that's that's really um, exciting. I think that's a huge step to showcasing the best uh, the best up and coming talent because you can you can market the shit out of that now. Like yeah, 
like that that can become like a huge thing and it's probably going to be something that is going to be probably broadcasted on like sportsnet or tsn or something like it's going to be great production around it uh lots of fans like it's it's going to be huge and it, it's going to be uh it's going to be very exciting hockey like we just saw actually tonight um boston university played boston college and boston college features guys like uh will smith gabe perot ryan leonard cutter gotier and boston university has macklin Sobrini. Uh, I believe Boston College ended up winning. I think it was like 4-1 or something. But it's like, that's so cool to see some of the best up-and-coming prospects in the NHL going up against the guy who's probably going to go number one overall. Like, those are the games that you, you get excited for, seeing kind of the, the best on best. So, Yeah, can uh, you imagine seeing guys like McDavid and Matthews, you know, playing each other while they're still, you know, uh, 16, 17, 18? Like, yeah. that's right that's really cool yeah and and it's one of those things it's always like you know the americans win that's something those players will always have over those other canadian players when they make it to the nhl is like hey we 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 won the prospects game and and it's like it doesn't mean shit like they don't get a trophy or anything but it's it's just a little accolade that those players can hold on to and uh means more to them than any of us would ever know so yeah, that's it's uh as long as it's executed well, I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I can completely agree. Um this one we'll definitely take a little bit less time, but I do think it's important to highlight. Um it's kind of crazy we uh uh didn't have to the way we talked about it, but uh for this one I am going to issue a uh sexual assault/bullying slash uh trigger warning just in case uh anyone wants to skip forward uh past that about five minutes um but uh also reported by rick westhead of course uh former chikotimi i believe uh is the city pronunciation uh player carl latu latu leap uh filed a 15.7 million dollar lawsuit uh in april 2023 against the chl the qmjhl and its teams uh, alleging he and other rookie players were beaten with bars of soap in towels and were forced to watch porn and masturbate on a team bus in the presence of coaches, among other things. Um, this has been corroborated already with other players that were rookies at the time, so there is smoke to this fire. Um, and yeah, it's uh, starting to be more public now. Like I said, April 2023, we're nine months past that so it's been going on um but the uh the local uh police force is working on it and uh yeah another thing we were just saying about how uh the old culture like you you like to think they're not doing stuff that bad nowadays but hopefully it's at least less than what they did before because They've got multiple players talking about this happening back in 95 and we're here 29 years later and uh, hopefully a lot less of this, hopefully none going on at all at this point. Yeah. And again, that's always one of the biggest things that's kind of surrounded the, the CHL as a whole is you've, you, again, you've got these 14 and 
15 year old kids that are still just trying to find their way in life and learn how to be an adult. And they're very prone to peer pressure and whatnot. And you Especially throw them on a team the where coaches, you, if the coaches yeah. are in on it, like, yeah, not, like not even the coaches, but when you've got, you know, older teammates who are 20, 21, like they're, they're full on adults. It's like, you know, and I, again, that's a huge part of it is you really got to know what kind of players you're bringing in and you're trusting to be those guys to mentor um, those younger players because you can have situations like this where it, it goes south so quickly and it affects the lives of these players f- forever. Um, yeah, like these stories are, are tough to read. Like, uh, yeah. And he, yeah. so Black Leap was uh, Chikatimi's first round draft pick in uh, 94. And 10 weeks into the 94-95 season, he quit the, G- the QMJHL team um, completely. Never went back. Uh, at the time, media reported that he was homesick, missed his girlfriend, and uh, just wasn't in it, uh, as it were. So clearly, you know, either he had to tell somebody that lie or uh, the team said that. So it's it sucks that, you know, this happens and there's such a broad amount of people providing cover up for it. So it's good to see that he's Carl is standing up for it and, uh, you know, calling these guys out, even if it's, you know, how 29 years later. So well, just just to put in perspective, like he only played six games with them. Pri- yeah. and, and then he left the team. Yeah. Um, he then he ended could, up signing with Drummondville. Where- NHL and he couldn't. He couldn't handle all that crap, and yeah, good, good for him for getting out of there. It's well, and that's the thing he is, had to derail his career to do it, but oh, it, it derailed. I mean, yeah, like he played thirty six games that following season, or like in that season, um, when he left, he went to the Drummondville uh, team, played thirty six games. The following season, he went to Beauport, and he played thirteen games, and then that was it. Like a, a first round pick in uh, the QMJHL, like you're get even if you don't make it to the NHL, you're still getting a full, a full career in in that league of playing all these games uh, on a team all the way through until you're done, and then maybe you continue on. Uh, you know, um, if you decide to get education afterwards, we see lots of players in the WHL go and play for. Um, university or college teams within the area and continue on playing hockey like his, his yeah. career was or even in europe done. you know plenty of guys yeah, like over was... and play in the khl play in europe leagues so um the only yeah, other it's... thing we really have on that at the moment is that um a judge in a quebec city court uh is scheduled for march 19th to hear arguments about whether the case should proceed as carl versus the CHL and the QMJHL, or if it will be turned into a class action, uh, in which case, yeah. who knows how many players will see join in on this? Um, we got uh, much less on this one, but we got uh, another Rick Westhead update on the uh, Halifax Regional Police. Uh, they basically just said they're continuing to investigate the uh, sexual assault that is alleged to have occurred in the city during the 0203 World Juniors Tournament involving multiple members of Canada's team. Um, 
pretty much it they gave us an update to say that we have no update pretty much yeah but it's i guess good to know that they are still you know they're not completely forgetting about it yeah um the only other thing uh that they really said of note in their press release was that they want victims to know that there is no statute of limitations uh to crimes of this nature and sexualized violence so uh yeah that uh that's i i hope that sentiment reaches as many people as it possibly can cuz you yeah. know if you hear some people even even 2 or 3 years pass there'll be some people going why didn't they come out sooner well because it's fucking difficult and there's a lot of trauma with it so even if it takes you 30 years if you're ready in 30 years point them out yeah yeah um, exactly um apologies for all the heavy news but a lot of stuff came out uh, right around uh, bell let's talk day funnily enough yeah who knows if that's uh on purpose or not but i believe all things of that nature are uh dealt with yeah um we do have uh one very interesting piece of news here um that the uh basketball team the utah jazz owner ryan smith uh officially submitted a letter to the nhl on wednesday requesting that they initiate the expansion process to bring a franchise to Salt Lake City. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. They've they've been a constant rumored team uh around all this, so it'll kind of be interesting to see um where that goes again. I'm still a believer of you know, if you're rolling with the the the, the system that they're doing for the playoffs, it it's so dumb to have a different number of teams in each division. Like I'm assuming if, if Salt Lake city gets a team, it's probably, they're probably going to introduce uh, another team, whether that's if they go back to Atlanta or, or Houston are kind of the other two right there. But it's like, again, it's, it, it just, it doesn't feel fair to be like, you know, and it, it makes a scheduling also weird because it's like, you've got to play, every team within your division four times. So it's like now that that's an extra four games for those teams. The now is to get cut out from other places. And um, it's weird, but you know, it's not like it's also like a playoff stickler for having a perfect schedule either. Oh yeah. No, like by no means. But again, my biggest thing is just the playoffs when it's like you're doing the top three teams from each, then the wild card. It's like, it makes it that much tougher for that one team because or, or yeah. I guess all those teams within that division because yeah, um, it, it just kind of creates a logjam and uh, and I know it's it's not a day and age where you can do oh hey here's four new expansion teams um, yeah but uh, I, I don't see I it, really I hope we can avoid like, getting a massive like just a jumble of four new teams because like. Man, you think about all the play- good players some teams lost in expansion draft. They'd have to make some sort of different rules because every team losing four players—that's that's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, and and again, like it's not gonna be like they're gonna throw four teams in all at once. And you know, it's it's also you got to think like once you if you if they do eventually throw in four to make them all even, it's like now you're at thirty six. 
you're going to have more people coming and being like, hey, we're ready for for an NHL franchise. And it's like, at, at what point do you have to cap it and be like, you know, we can't be getting up into to 40 teams, 44. Like at some point they need to. They need to be like, if, if there's going to be a new team, it's because a team's going to be relocating. Yeah. Like, I think if it gets, I think if, in my opinion, I think if it gets to 36, you have to stop. I I definitely think it's either, either 36 or 40 will be that number. I think 40 is too much. I 40 NHL teams like that's. I, I do think that's like a ton. I think that's just, um, I, I think 36 is the but, max. I like 32 personally. I do like 32, but I think they're, they're definitely going past 32 at some point, especially with billionaires like this uh, coming out and saying, Hey, let's get this yeah. going. Um, I'm just, I think it, 32 or 36 would work best, but I, I do wonder when the NHL would be able to stop themselves. You know, if they have 40, if they have 40 teams and then some guy in San Diego says, Hey man, I got, I got a whole lot of money and I got a building right here. Like are, yeah. Are the owners going to turn that down? I, oh, exactly. It, it's hard to say. Especially know? the success we're seeing from Vegas and Seattle already. Like, yeah. It just makes them just foaming at the mouth about more uh, potential successful um, expansion teams. So, yeah. Especially if it's a really tempting market like, a, a, you know, a Mexico City or something like that, saying, hey, we want a team. Like that. Yeah. That's a whole new market. As annoying yeah. as I'm sure it would be for every player to now have to not, you know, they're used to traveling back and forth, Canada, the U S but now internationally dealing with Mexico, that would be a whole thing, but I'm sure oh, there'd be a lot of guys in suits with dollar signs in their eyes on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I think pretty much all we kind of got left is we got a couple uh contract extensions. Yeah. To, just from earlier today. To go over. Um, the first one being Peter Morazic, uh signed again a two-year extension with the Chicago Blackhawks um, with an AAV of four point two five zero. That is a huge overpay for Peter Morazic, but again, Chicago's got to reach the cap floor. It's a two-year deal, so it aligns perfectly with all these other two-year deals. And when Bedard eventually is ready for his big deal, so. Uh, I don't you know, think it's a, as big I don't love it. I don't hate it. Some people think um, he's played. He's got decent numbers, as decent of numbers as you can reasonably put up, without being elite on a absolutely horrendous Chicago Blackhawks team. So, and I mean, you know, guys like uh, you know, uh, what's Corpusalo getting paying? Elvis Merzlikens, you know. I think four yeah, and a half. I guess when you four compare and a half to those. is. Uh, at the very least, I think it's reasonable. Obviously, yeah, they're not in any cap. Guys, yeah. They're not making any cap uh, problems yeah. over there. But and you know, I think they like a little overpay. But I think the majority of teams, uh, you know, outside the ones that have a Vasilevsky, a Hellebuck, a Sorokin, uh, would be fine taking them at uh, a number at least maybe one mil lower than that. Yeah, yeah. But um, good for Marizic. Yeah, good for him for securing that bag. You can never can never fault the player. Um, yeah. The Philadelphia Flyers made two uh, signings today. They 
extended Ryan Paling, a uh, two-year extension, an AV of $1.9 million. I think that's fine. Um, I think he's yeah. kind of a good bottom six player for him, I would say. Yeah, I think that's very fair. It's a, it's a depth player. It's not going to break the bank. It's not too long either, so you're not locking into anything crazy, but I think he's earned it for sure. Yeah. Um, and then th- this one, I- I've seen a lot of people kind of going back and forth about it. More people are saying it's an overpay. I think this is a fucking steal. I think this is uh, a great contract. I'm glad you agree. The Philadelphia Flyers signed Owen Tippett, who was, a, a, I would say, in my opinion, probably the biggest part of the Claude Giroux trade um, when they sent Giroux to Florida, yeah. only for Florida Other to get bound early. Um, but, yeah. They did sign Owen Tippett to an eight-year contract extension that'll kick in uh, July 1st with an AAV of $6.2 million. Um, th- this, is a, this is a slam dunk by Danny Briere, who has just had a fucking roller coaster of the last two weeks uh, yeah. between the, the whole Carter Hart thing and then the Cutter Gauthier thing. Like, this is such a win for him. Um, yeah. Um, I, I've heard the name Owen Tippett for so long. I thought he was at least 27. Dude is 24 years old right now. He does turn 25 halfway through February, so fairly soon. But So that contract kicks in in the offseason of him being 25. They've locked him in at $6.2 million for his entire prime from... Yeah being 20 from 25 to 33 that and with the cap going up as well that is a fantastic contract yeah and um, just to, to put into perspective since kind of here as well yeah since becoming kind of a full-time um player in the nhl uh last year at the philadelphia flyers he put up 49 points in 77 games uh 27 of those being goals and then this season for the Philadelphia Flyers, he has 30 points in 46 games, 18 of those being goals. Um, like if you're, and, and he's, I, in my opinion, he's, he's only getting better. And if yep. you've like his own tippet good defensively, fuck no, awful. But if you're paying only $6.2 million for a guy that's probably going to be during his prime, a consistent, you know, 30, 20, 35 goal scorer. Yeah. I would, I'd probably put him 30 to 35. And then you're probably looking yeah. at, you know, 70 to, I would just say 70 points plus. Cause depending on like, you know, when they've got some other guys coming up, if you get him with the right guys, he could hit that next level yeah. for 6.2 million. Like he's not going to be out there on the penalty kill, getting sulky votes. Like, no, but is he going to be a guy that can help run a power play for them? and be a consistent offensive weapon for him, 6.2. That, the, that's, that's a steal for them. Value contracts like that for guys who consistently can produce 30-ish po- uh, goals a season for at, at least 60 points, those, those, like, this just screams a guy that you win a cup with, you know? He uh like a like an Alex Killorn type player. He doesn't play on your top line all the time. He can, but he's probably on that second line, and he's just always putting up those points when you need them. And I yeah, 
at a cap hit like that, especially with the cap going up in the future, that is a huge dub. Well, and, and if Philadelphia Flyers fans are pissed, go talk to New Jersey Devils fans because they were fucking outraged when Jack Hughes signed his deal because he wasn't producing great, but they're like, oh, he got that that eight by eight because he was a first overall pick. Well, now that looks like probably the best contract in the entire league. Yeah. It's got like, yeah, at least top five. So like, like you're, 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 yeah, sure. Is 6.2 for what Owen Tippett is right now. Good. No, but, but it's the, not even what bad for right now. Yeah. Like it, it's not good. It's not bad. I would say it's, it's mediocre, but what he's on pace to get to. And this is on a flyers team that, I think I think is exceeding expectations. Yeah. Like when you look at where they're at in the standings compared to what the roster is, they should not be there. And no. you wait for all these prospects to come up. Like if you got a guy like Owen Tippett on a power play like Meechkov in a couple of years, like <laughs> like I, I know they're both goal scores, but both of them can still dish the puck. Um like this is I think this is gonna turn into a deal that Flyers fans are like, wow, what a steal. And they they might not see it right now, but uh, this is a win for the Flyers when they really needed one. Like, they really yeah. needed a win, and I think this is a, a big one for them. Yeah. And uh, I am just, uh, while we're talking about the Flyers, I do want to throw this out there, because I was, I was messing around on Money Puck earlier, looking at some goalie stats, and I just sorting different things, and I found something that I found interesting. Um you can look at the goalie stats and sort top to bottom for all of these. And one of them that I did was the percentage of shot attempts blocked by teammates uh, per goalie. So it's, it's organized as a goalie stat, but it's a team stat. Um, number one goalie in the league for most shot attempts blocked by teammates is Samuel Urson on the Flyers at just over 25% of shot attempts are blocked by teammates. Uh, in second is Logan Thompson, just below him. Uh, in number three, Carter Hart, 23.52. Uh, there are no two goalies from the same team until you go down to like... It doesn't even go that far. No, There's no team is repeated again other than the Flyers in the top 30. And there's slots one yeah. and two, or one and three. So yeah, that, uh, that really speaks to... Um, John Tortorella's coaching style. He's when you're out there, you're putting your body on the line for the team. Like they yeah. block shots in Philadelphia right now. Do they ever? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a, that's actually a very uh, telling stat of, of that team. Um, but with that, I think that kind of wraps up all of the, the big news um, that we've got uh, throughout this last week. Um, but a lot of, uh, Points have been scored over this last week. Lots of goals, lots of goalies making some big saves. So what are we looking at now with the the updated uh, stats around the league? Yeah, so we'll get into that here. We got um, for the points leader uh, leading, I actually, I will refresh this and see if it will refresh the from the games today because that will have an impact. It did. Yeah, yeah, it, did. it should. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Quant Hockey is so much better than any of these other websites for stats. Um, 
in first, uh, it's been back and forth, but at the moment, we got uh, Nathan McKinnon with 84 points. Uh, hot on his trails, as always. Uh, 83, we got Nikita Kucherov in second. All the way down in third, we got David Posternock with 69. It's becoming a two-horse race pretty quickly there. Uh, McDavid's down in seventh with 63. So he's got about 20 points behind Kucherov and 21 behind McKinnon right now. Um, for goals, running away with it as always, Austin Matthews, uh, 39 goals in 45 games. Absolutely nuts. Um, 36 goals from Sam Reinhart in second, and in third, Nikita Kucherov with 32. Uh, for plus minus, we got uh, Quinn Hughes and Philip Pronick at 35 and 34. Uh, we got Gustav Forsling in third with 33. And uh, those are all the interesting ones for players. Let's go to goalies. And for goalies, we got uh, with a minimum of 24 games played. Uh, bump, um, bump it down. Bump it down a bit. I figured. Like what? What's good. what? Can you bump I, the the games played down to? Uh, it's a slider. I can go to whatever number you want. So I'll give you a number. Uh, do do twenty two. Twenty two. Is that uh, based on like around half the games so of the seat teams have played? Give was, give or take. I was, yeah. I was trying to aim for something like that. Just so kind of can give a little bit of a buffer to teams that that run a bit of a tandem. It uh, it only added one guy, but it did add oh. a guy from a tandem. Um, for uh, goals saved above expected per 60, so that's compared to your play time, how many goals you save generally better than the next guy. Um, makes a lot of sense looking at these stats. Uh, number one, Connor Hellebuck at 0. 0.628. Uh, Thatcher Demko at 0.587 and Jeremy Swayman at 0.537. Um, Connor Ingram just below him, and then there's a bit of a drop off after that. Uh, do we got do we got save percentage? We do for save percentage. Uh, a lot of the same. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, Jeremy Swayman, and Thatcher Demko. At a 925, a 924, and a 922, respectively. Uh, Joey Decord also at a 922, actually. Uh, yeah. Very quietly has been really heating up since uh, December and January. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about all I got for uh, goalies. So... Uh, one thing yeah. I want to say, sure. don't let Austin Matthews' insane goal-scoring season distract you from the fact that Sam Reinhart is on pace for 61 goals. 36 like goals last year, people, people were, were losing their, their mind that we had multiple players reach, or even just players in general reaching 60. Now, if Matthews reaches 70, that's awesome. But the fact that a guy like Sam Reinhardt actually might be in that 60-goal club is is nuts. And if he if he hits 60 goals, he keeps I, don't even, saying, I don't even know what his contract would look like, actually. He keeps actually. saying that he's going to take a discount and stay in Florida. Dude, I think he you will. Hit, if you hit 60, please go to free agency and get paid. 
you will get 11 million at least from another team. Yeah. That's, and that's the thing, right? Is like, you got to think about it. Like, this... like Matthews is scoring yeah. at an insane rate. He's only three goals behind Austin Matthews. Yeah. And and it's the, the biggest thing is like, you know, he can always do the thing of, of waiting until July 1st and then seeing what the offers are. And then, you know, go back to Florida if he's not happy with the other offers. But the thing is, is if yeah. he goes back to Florida, he can't sign that eight year deal. He would only be able to actually sign a seven year deal then because he's technically not a part of the team anymore. More if he's not signed by really? that uh, July 1st deadline. Yeah. That's, that's why um, you can't even uh, you can't wait it out and then go back to your team. For that's it. why Islanders fans knew that Tavares was gone before the news even came out is because they knew he was he, he wanted that eight year deal because you want to get the most money you can. And so once that uh, that deadline hit and he wasn't signed, they were like, well, he's gone then. Because if he was going to stay with the Islanders, oh. he would have he would have signed that eight year deal and got that extra year of. 11 mil or, or 12 mil or whatever the Islanders were offering him. So that's kind of a big thing for players. It's like, do you, do you risk going to free agency and seeing what offers are out there? But then if you go back to the team you were with, you're, you're missing out on that, that extra year of that certain amount of money. So it, it's, it's, it's one of those tough things, but again, do I feel bad for the player? Fuck no. They're he's, he's going to get it. He's going to get, 60 plus million dollars on his next deal regardless of where it where it's at or whether it's seven or eight years like he's he's gonna get more than that so um and again like you don't pay tax in florida so whatever he you know so it's like does he sign for 11 mil there and pay a shitload of taxes or does he sign for nine with Florida, but he, he keeps all Living it. It's in like, Florida is probably not too bad either, right? Like, yeah, and, honest, and where the where the teams at? Like in those California, a huge part Florida of that teams, team. you get you get a lot of intangible benefits uh, through things like taxes and just living in a nice place. Yeah, and if it was still like the Florida Panthers were getting bounced first round or getting swept in the second round or something, I could see it. But like they just went to the Cup Finals. Like they've and they still got the majority of that core that did it. So if he's looking at it and like, you know what, I could sign for nine and a half per year for eight years and just run it back with these guys and just and stick with the boys. Like I, I could genuinely see that being what he would do because yeah. to to get that that bag, you're not paying taxes on it, and you're with a team that almost pulled off one of the greatest underdog stories we've ever seen. Um, and they look better than they did last year. Um, I, I can, I can definitely see that being a very, uh, a very realistic possibility for, for Sam Reinhardt. Yeah. And uh, as a Tampa fan, can I just say uh, it is so nice to be able to properly despise the Panthers. Like, yeah. For so long, I wanted to hate them, but like they were just so garbage for years that it didn't matter because, like, it's like, yeah, Battle of Florida tonight. Oh, Florida got shit canned again because, of course, they did because they were just in the early 
2010s were just abysmal. And in the past, yeah, at this point, five-ish years have been good. But uh, I always was a big fan of Huberto's game. And it made him hard to hate. Uh, trading him for Kachuk. Kachuk is very easy to hate. That made that team so much less likable, and which is great for a rivalry standpoint. It they're a fun team to dislike as a rival. Um, yeah, so it's it's a lot more fun to watch those games now. As much yeah. as I do yeah. love uh, Carter Verhage. Yeah. Um. Just one last thing I want to throw in here because I didn't think it was going to happen this season. I'm pumped for it. If you're one of those um, hockey fans that loves all things prospects, um, this will probably excite you. Um, but the NHL's got their own shack. Um, Shakir Mukmadulin um, of the San Jose Sharks. He's six foot four. So on skates, he's 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 a monster out there. Um, he was the big part of the Timo Meyer trade. I thought he was going to spend the whole season in in the AHL because this is only his first year, um, full year, playing over in North America. Um, he was just uh, called up by the San Jose Sharks the other day. Um, I'm assuming it's probably due to the injury of Mario Ferraro. Um, th- this is the... I... I can't even think. In all my years of being a Sharks fan, which is is quite a while, this is probably the biggest defense defenseman prospect the Sharks have ever had in their system and called up. Um, so this is exciting. He's he's a he's a big body. He's got a boom and slap shot. Um, so it'll be very exciting to see kind of where he fits in with the team. I believe he will be playing with Jan Ruda, who you're probably pumped about he did score his first goal with the sharks the other yeah uh, that's former other... stanley cup champion two-time stanley cup champion Jan ruda to you um so it sounds like he will be playing with Jan ruda which i think is is a is a fine guy to um to pair him with and again like it's you know th- this is a huge moment for the sharks it's you're really going to be able to see what you've you've gotten this guy who you put a lot of, well, you're probably your biggest egg in, in Timo Meyer into this basket of, of Mukamadulin. So it'd be exciting to see uh, what he can do for this team, and it'll be interesting to see is it a, a, is it a little trial of you're playing this amount of games and, and then we're sending you back down, or does he go out there and uh, impress the shit out of everybody? And it's like we can't justify sending you back down now, and this is the start of a, a long and successful career for him. So uh, as a Sharks fan, I'm pumped because again, the only other guy that comes close to mind is Ryan Merkley. And uh, we, we know how that panned out. He's, he's not even in North America anymore um, within the span of a, a year and a half um, from kind of looking like he, he was ready to make the jump to the NHL. So uh, exciting times for a shitty, shitty, shitty rebuild team. Yep, you that'll gotta, look sick while losing. Get, oh yeah, you got to get worse before you get better, <laughs> right? Like if you if yeah, you do not want to be the Minnesota Wild in 2010. You don't want to be that middling team. You always just miss the playoffs or just get in to lose out in the first round. You never you don't get be the anything Flames of right now. Exactly. You I mean, don't want to be that middling but... team that doesn't get a good pick, but you never get anywhere. 
that's a re- yeah. recipe for mediocrity. You gotta you gotta be bad or you gotta be good. You know, and and you even look at it like look at look at the Leafs right now. You know, in the span of years, they drafted Morgan Riley early, then Nylander, then Marner, then Matthews. Look at the Oilers; like they kind of uh, dicked around with their first couple first overall picks, but then then their core was like Drysaddle um, or, or like Nurse, Drysaddle, McDavid, Bouchard type of thing. The Devils um, kind of doing the same with you know Heisher and then Jack Hughes, Lukies. It's like you you have to suck, you have to suck for a certain number of years and get those top five, top seven, top eight picks. And, and that's going to be your core that you run with for the future. So does, does losing suck? Yeah. Like we all hate to see our team be the bottom of the barrel and uh, get shit on and get made fun of, but it's like, that's, that's, that's the way it goes. You got to go through a a tough rebuild to uh, build up that next, you know, crop of, uh, of 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 your core that that's going to run that team for the next 15 years or so. Yeah, you need you need that uh Kane and Taves, you need that uh Stamkos headman, you need you need those building bricks. And uh Yeah. It looks like they've got a couple and if they can get uh a few more really high level ones, a Celebrini would be fantastic. Him playing with Will Smith like that's that's two guys right there, man. See, I would get my hopes up and be excited, but the fact that they're sitting at the bottom of the barrel of Chicago just makes me be like, uh. speaking of which, this is something, this is the last thing I'm going to say before we, before we wrap up. And I want to hear what you think about it. All right. In my opinion, the Anaheim Ducks are the worst team in the NHL. No. And it's only, the only reason I'm saying this is because they, um, the bottom of the league is, Actually, Chicago is now the bottom. They have 30 points. The Sharks have 30. And then just above them in the 30th spot is the Anaheim Ducks with 34. When you compare these rosters, the Ducks clear both these teams. In terms of goaltending, defensemen, forwards, like... Okay. Like, that's fair. they They should be higher than Ottawa, Columbus. I even... I Like, they they should should be higher. Four points above the AHL caliber uh, Blackhawks and San Jose rosters that are being iced. Yeah, like absolutely. Like, and Anaheim finished last in the league last year. They were the worst team, and they're doing it again. And it's like, you know, and and they they even went out and brought in. Uh, well, I mean, they got Leo Carlson second have overall. A, have they had a coaching change in this time? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But then they even go out and get good, great veterans in guys like Radko Gudis and Alex Killorn. And it's like the fact that over halfway through the season, you're only four points ahead of these dumpster fire teams. It's like, in my opinion, I, I think in terms of what's expected from the team to where they're at, they're, they're the worst. Because am I a Ducks fan? No. But should they be way higher than where they're at? Yeah. Not even including a, a guy who people are chomping at the bit for of being a, a Calder uh, finalist in Mintikov. Like, he's he's been an absolute 
workhorse for them on the blue line. Yeah. The um the only team that I think could compete for we'll we'll say the most underachieving team uh with the Ducks is the Blue Jackets. Uh because at least the Ducks knew they were still going to be bad, right? I think the Blue Jackets genuinely thought this year they would make a push for the playoffs or at yeah. least be like, you know, if they missed they'd miss out by uh 4 points or something like that, but at 39 yeah. points on the season, uh they are they are not bad on purpose like a lot of the other teams below them. And yeah, some and, and above it, them. And this is a team that you know drafted Fantilli and immediately thought, yeah, we're we're ready. So they go out and get guys like Severson and Provorov for the blue line. Yeah, they clearly and were it's... making moves to improve the team now, not in the future. And they freaking suck right now. So they're still going to yeah. be fine. Fantilli is amazing. Kent Johnson is super good. Uh, they're going to be fine. All the all the right, Russian forwards are right now are yeah. unreal. Looks rough. Yeah, Marchenko yeah. is great. Yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't have said worst team, but I would say, well, I guess yeah, Un- in my opinion, worse because they they should be way better and they're not. So it's yeah, uh, but it's yeah. much worse to be bad accidentally than bad on purpose. It's it's better or worse. Uh, so I think I think they were also bad last you, year on purpose. You want, like you want to be bad on purpose more than bad accidentally. Yeah, and and I think they're 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 bad accidentally. Yeah, at this like I with, think a, last with a roster year like purpose, that, I think this was supposed to be the turnaround, and it hasn't yeah. really at all. Like this should be the year where they're finishing and getting like the, the ninth tenth, overall, tenth overall, eleventh. Yeah, and then you get a good player there, and the next year it's you're probably just missing out on the playoffs. And then the following year, you're right in there. But like, but again, like if you're the Ducks though, with what they've got, if you're adding a, if you're adding a top three pick into that as well, and they've, and there's, I think their forward core is pretty good, but like some of the defense and that are, that could be available. They can, uh, that can be huge for them. So. Yeah. Um, but with that, I think that kind of wraps up, uh, all that we had to do this this is going to be a meaty one so hopefully uh yeah, if you're listening sure. you did uh you're you're on a road trip somewhere or you've grabbed some snacks or uh or something because uh you you got a lot of a lot of hockey content in this one and that's uh what we're always here to to deliver yeah don't don't let all this distract you from uh the edmonton oilers uh being on a 15 game win streak and uh gunning for that uh 92 93 penguins record at 17 <laughs> Yeah, they're they're creeping up on it, so we will uh we'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, kind of upcoming in the future, you know, we're gonna be uh the we got the All Star weekend coming up. We're gonna uh, release a, a separate episode, kind of covering um all things, kind of talking about that. Um, obviously the whole um twenty eighteen World Junior situation. Uh, we we couldn't talk about it too much, but you know, once the whole um, story kind of comes to light and more more knowledge is made public, um, we will make sure to kind of discuss that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but again, thank you to everybody as always for listening to another episode of the Stick 'Em Up Podcast. 
feel free to follow us on the socials and harass us. We are over on Twitter slash X at SEU Hockey. And you can also find us over on Instagram at SEU Hockey. Stop by on there, say hello to us, ask us questions, bully us, harass us. Um, We're open to any fan engagement because uh, any engagement of any kind is better than none, I would say. Yeah, send us your fresh NHL memes if you got it. Yeah, exactly. Um, But thanks again to everybody for listening. Uh, Make sure to stick around because I think we will have an all-star episode coming up sometime early um, within the week as I believe the all-star weekend is uh, the following weekend, uh, the weekend of February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Um, So we will have something out before then. So keep an out for that. And we will catch you guys in that one.